Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks for Thursday, October 31st, 2019. Happy Halloween. Hope it is uh, trick-or-treatable where you are. Not sure how it's going to be by my house today, but uh, knock on wood. Hopefully we can get out and get some candy that I can steal from my daughter. Thanks for tuning in to Lockdown Blackhawks. A lot to get into today, and I'm very glad that we have some news to discuss because I did not want to dwell on Tuesday night's game any longer. I went off on Wednesday's podcast. I think uh, got a couple tweets that said I'd never heard you that upset before, uh, and I was. That was as upset about a Hawks game as I've been in a really long time, so I'm glad uh, you know there's some actual news today, which we'll get to in a second. First off, want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast at LO underscore Blackhawks on Twitter. You can follow my personal account at Jay 670. Also follow the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, my other podcast, at Madhouse Pod. Email lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com. And of course, we've got the voicemail 708 653 0572. So the good news from Wednesday's practice in LA Kirby Doc is going to be part of the Blackhawks plans for the entire season. He will not go back to Saskatoon. So very exciting news for the Blackhawks. I'm really interested to see now that Doc has that reassurance, how it will affect his game. We'll see if he relaxes a little bit instead of in, in, and plays a little more loose, not so afraid to make mistakes. Yesterday, I teased some audio from Duncan Keith, who was a guest on the Spit and Chicklets podcast earlier this week. A piece of audio really stuck out to me. And then there was another piece that I also found very interesting that I want to share with you guys as well. We'll get to that too. Um, and of course, we still have not really unwrapped Brent Seabrook's comments from when he was informed he'd be scratched for the second consecutive game. So there's some things to get to in this show, but I think we should start with the good news. And let's let Jeremy Cowlton tell you the news uh, from his own mouth. This audio courtesy of ChicagoBlackhawks.com. Kirby, how, how comfortable has he looked out there for you? Yeah, I think he's, uh, he's had some really good games. It's always going to be up and down, and um, I think last game was really it was a good test for him. Obviously, that's an excellent team, but um, you know he's been good. And actually, um, me and Stan, uh, Stan and I sat with him yesterday. Told him he's going to be here, so um, hopefully that'll it's a little bit of a lift for him. But I think he's played well, and he's shown he can help us, and he's only going to get better. I think the player he is now, um, you know, there, there's likely going to be huge improvement as the year goes on, and the player in February, uh, you know, I'm sure it'll be an impact player for us, and that's exciting. How impressed are you with what he's been able to do so far in such a, a young age to kind of earn a spot here, uh, maybe long term? Yeah, it's uh, it's a hard league. It's it's um, you know, big boys and and uh, play hard against it, and you don't get it much for free. So. Um, it's just for the fact that he's been in and he's, he's been able to contribute. He's gone in the net. He's made a lot of plays. Um, it's a big, big feather in his cap and uh, excited about his future. Are you going to try to get him more playing time as we go forward and maybe some special teams opportunities? Um, well, I think he's probably played just the right amount so far. Um, I don't know what he ended up last game, but he was out there a little more. It's going to be dependent on you know how how he performs, and it's a it's a long year. I think playing 80 games in the NHL is a lot different than playing 70 in the Western League. Um, you know, even the minutes like playing 10 uh, in the NHL is it's a lot more taxing than playing 20 in the Western League or even you know 15 in the American League. So um, we'll we'll manage that, and you know he may not play every game either. Um, he's he's still um, pretty light and. We need him to continue to train. We need him to, to get his uh, strength work in 
during the year it's difficult uh, when you play so many games. So uh, we'll probably manage his rest, and, and uh, I would be shocked if he played them all this year. Just to clarify that last thing, just to clarify the last thing Jeremy Cowton said, he said, I wouldn't be shocked if he played them all this year. I would not be shocked if he played them all this year. I had to go back and listen to that a bunch of times to make sure I heard it correctly. So Kirby Doc is in the long-term plans for the Blackhawks, and I know it's hard to feel great about anything Blackhawks today after Tuesday's loss. I know a lot of us are still sort of reeling from that, still a little bit upset about it, still feeling like, geez, is this... Is this how it's going to be? Is this what this season's going to be like? I had my doubts Tuesday and Wednesday about whether Jeremy Cowlton would finish this season as the Blackhawks head coach, and I'm still not 100% certain. But the fact that Cowlton said Stan and I sat down and talked and decided that Kirby's going to stay here, the fact that he's being allowed to make franchise-altering decisions that tells me that he's got some security. Now, maybe, and if one of those guys was to get laid off, they'd both go, right? You can't fire Colleton and not fire Stan Bowman. There's no way. And I don't think you can fire Stan Bowman without firing Jeremy Colleton. That would be a little more reasonable is say, you know what? Bowman hasn't made this team good enough. We still believe in Jeremy Colleton, so let's bring in another GM. But if they were to fire Cowton, Bowman's out too. And I know there's a lot of people in this audience that would love to see it. And I'm kind of done defending Stan Bowman. I'm, you know, there's not much more argument to be made. And look, 10 years is a long time. Same thing with Coach Quenville. Sometimes you just need to change the scenery. Sometimes you need a different voice. So if they were to fire Stan, I'm not calling for his job. But if they were to fire Stan Bowman tomorrow or next week or next month, if things don't pick up, it would not shock me at all. But I do think unless things go really, really south, like they lose this entire road trip and do it in embarrassing fashion, I think Cowlton is safe for the time being. But the more important thing right now is Kirby Doc is here. And before I played the uh, audio from Jeremy Cowlton, I mentioned how this can help him settle down a little bit and just play the game more instinctually and earlier this week we played some audio from Calton too where he said Doc needs to be faster off the puck when he doesn't have the puck he wants to see him attack and cause turnovers and all those things that will happen when Kirby Doc stops thinking so much when he's just playing hockey and that specific thing leads me very nicely into this piece of Duncan Keith audio I'm going to share Jay Zawoski with you here. It is Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Duncan Keith was a guest on the Spit and Chicklets podcast, which is hosted by former NHL players Ryan Whitney and Paul Bissonnette. Really interesting. Duncan Keith is a guy who's been around this city for a really, really long time. 12 years, 13 years, I think it's been. Probably longer than that. I don't know if there's a higher profile athlete that I know less about than Duncan Keith. He keeps to himself very much, quiet guy, uh, never really too opinionated in the media. There was that one unfortunate moment where he sort of called out a female reporter's um, credentials. He could have probably gone without that, but aside from that, 
just kind of a quiet, soft-spoken dude. And I think one of the good things about podcasts that are hosted by former players is that other players open up. They know they're not going to – I think all athletes have a little bit of trouble trusting the media. And to some extent, I think they probably should. A lot of people in the media are trying to look for a story or they're trying to get you, right? They're trying to get you to say something and make news on their show. And that's part of the job, of course, as long as you do it honestly. But Duncan Keith on with Ryan Whitney and Paul Bissonette is loose. And he's just talking hockey. And they ask him about Joel Quenville's leaving. And and Duncan Keith says, yeah, it was tough and blah, blah, blah. Then he sort of slides in this little nugget about what he liked about Joel Quenville as a coach. I want you to give this a close listen. Probably one of the best things about Joel is that he, for for myself and for the teams we had, that he he allowed us to to play the game and not overthink it. You know, where I think sometimes the way it is now, it seems like you gotta every every little situation is already played out for you. You know, laid out for you how to play it when. To me, hockey's—it's got to be—you got to be able to read and react and, and yep. think quickly and be natural out there, and that's kind of what I appreciated about Joel the most. Now, make no mistake, when Joel Quenville was let go, and, and maybe not everybody knows this, maybe this isn't common knowledge. I know it's not out there in the mainstream media. I hate using these terms now because of what they imply in this political climate, but whatever. A lot of the players were done with Joel Quenville, and just like I said about Sam Bowman. It's a long time to play with the same coach with the same thing every day. But what what Duncan Keith said there was basically Joel Quenville let us play to our strengths. He trusted us to use our ability to make the right decisions and play not like totally freelance. Of course, there's a system in place, but he allowed for some creativity. He allowed for some freewheeling, um, you know, like. Like a jam band, right? Like, okay, like here's the song, but feel free to take it in this direction or that direction as long as you bring it back to where it belongs, right? Eventually. That's sort of how Joel Quenville let Duncan Keith play. Then Keith says, it seems like now every play has sort of a structure and everything has to be a specific way. Maybe I'm reading into it, but that he's talking about Jeremy Colleton. And you're seeing veteran players have a really hard time adapting to what Jeremy Collin is doing. Jonathan Taves, not only is the puck not going in the net, Taves, by the way, has two points. His assist was on an empty net goal. He has zero even strength points. But he's also struggling defensively, and he's having trouble grasping the Hawks' defensive system. Jonathan Taves is one of the smartest guys in hockey. And part of me wonders, and I've been told this sort of like, eh, you know, through the grapevine people in the organization, that maybe Jeremy's a little too obsessed with the X's and O's part of the game and could maybe, you know, as he grows, as he matures as a coach, learn to trust the players, let them use their strengths, and sort of not do it on their own, but have a little more leniency in the system. I don't know. I've never coached. I've never played at a high level, obviously. These guys know a lot more than I do. Jeremy Cowan has forgotten more about hockey than I'll ever know. But I don't know. It just seems like when you've got this veteran team, if they're the guys who are struggling 
that maybe something's wrong. Maybe something's wrong and maybe something needs adjusting. So just something to keep an eye on. And look, I didn't edit, edit any of that sound. That was a straight cut. There's no, There was no other reference to Jeremy Cowden in the entire interview, good or bad. It was just, you know, I think now there's a little too much structure. It's kind of what Duncan Keith said. And that struck me. That stuck with me a little bit. So something worth keeping an eye on. And I wonder what sort of open dialogue Cowden has with these players. It's a tough job. And the only thing that he could do the day he replaced Joel Quenville, he had to go in there and just be a coach. He couldn't tiptoe his way in. He couldn't be like, hey, guys, I know I'm new and I know I'm young, but, you know, please play hard for me. He just had to go in there and do it. And maybe that I'm trying to phrase this correctly. Maybe the desire to go in there and prove that he knows what he's doing. Maybe he's lost sight of part of what's needed to be coaching, and that's managing personalities and managing emotions right? Like Joe Madden is a good example. Say what you want about his X's and O's. I guarantee you that next year there will be a moment in the season where, where Cubs fans look at each other and Cubs players look at each other and say, man, Joe was, Joe was kind of onto something. He knew what he was doing. Maybe we didn't give him enough credit. I think that that's kind of the situation with Q. The Hawks players, when you're around someone that long, maybe didn't know how good they had it. I think that could be the situation with Joel Quenville. The other piece of tape I wanted to play, not so much newsy as interesting. Duncan Keith's talking about his evolution into the defenseman he is and was during his prime days. And uh, he's asked about, you know, his growth into an offensive defenseman. Listen to this little nugget. I never knew this. First few years, Jans, Jans was a coach and Savvy took over and I still wasn't on the power play. And after a while, I'm getting kind of like, hey, like I can do more than just Come on, guys. You know, kill yeah. penalties and, and play five on five. And then it kind of got into contract negotiations and, you know, for for doing the long de- deal that I, the one I'm on The 13 now. year. And I was thinking in my head, I'm like, well, I love it here and I like it here, the guys and everything, but am I just going to be, you know, a guy that, you know, this is what I'm pigeonholed kind of as, and and I knew that I like had more. I knew I had, night. I knew I had offensive potential. I know I can see the game, and I believe in myself. And so, you know, in the contract negotiations, I told my agent, I'm like, I'm not going to sign any deal, you know, and, unless I'm getting an opportunity on the power play. Like I'm just, I haven't got one yet. It's been what was it then, four or five years, you know, basically. So it's crazy, huh? Um, and so then. The next day, I was on the power play. <laughs> so there you go. That's not something you hear about in hockey very much, is a star player flexing his muscle and saying, if you want me to play here, if you want me to sign a deal, put me on the power play. That's exactly what Duncan Keith did. Interesting. Really interesting. And I want to go back and check and see, like, boy, was that the moment in December of 2009 when the Blackhawks power play went to hell? It's not. <laughs> I went back and looked. It's it's remained pretty consistent before and after that deal was signed. But I just thought that was interesting. That's something that, you know, athletes in other sports are often like that becomes more public just because the sport gets more coverage. But yeah, Duncan Keith basically said, if you want me, put me on the power play. And that day it happened. And he's been there ever since. Quite a story. Want to thank the guys at Spit and Chicklets for that um, audio. Good stuff. Loved hearing from Duncan Keith. Really cool to hear an athlete 
especially a guy with such a high profile, again, that's accomplished so much in this town that we know so little about. Really cool to hear Duncan Keith open up, and, and it gives us a little something, a little glimpse into what Jeremy Cowden's doing as a head coach, and I'm not being critical of it. I'm just, I think it's interesting. The difference between Quenville and Cowden and what Duncan Keith thinks of it, and Keith didn't sound mad or annoyed by it. He just kind of said, yeah, you know what I liked about Q is he just sort of let us do our thing. Nowadays, it's a little more, you know, controlled. That's fine. I think that's totally fair. Good stuff from Duncan Keith. Good stuff from Spittin' Chicklets. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Jay Zawoski with you here. And while we just heard from Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, his longtime defensive partner, his longtime good buddy, uh, was scratched for the second consecutive game on Tuesday. The Hawks lost three to nothing. The first game they he was scratched, they won five to one. And before the game Tuesday, he was asked what he thought about being scratched. And and predictably, he was upset. This is a quote. I think I've been playing good. I've obviously been on for some goals against. Tough situation, but I feel like I'm skating better. I feel like I've got a lot to offer this team. I'm 34. You guys, the media, seem to want to write articles about my age and my speed. I feel like I've still got a lot to offer in this league and would still be a good player for somebody. Now, those last two words, for somebody, are a little bit telling. I don't know if he'd be willing to waive his no-trade clause. I don't know if he's mad and just sort of spoke out and said, look, someone's going to want me. Um, but Brent Seabrook, not happy. He was asked if Cowton was open and communicating about the situation. Brent Seabrook said, there is no conversation. He just told me that's it. So Jeremy Cowton clarified on Tuesday. He said, we had a conversation on Sunday and he was given an explanation as far as why he was out. But from his perspective, it's like, okay, you've told me now there's nothing left to talk about. Maybe that's what was interpreted as we didn't talk to him. That's not the case. It's our job to make sure that everything is as clear as possible and we'll continue to do that. So clearly some issues potentially brewing between Jeremy Cowan and Brent Seabrook. And I don't want to make too much of it. I, I still think it was the right thing to do. Um, it's been a bad year for Brent Seabrook. It's been a bad year for a lot of guys. And I'm fine with them benching Brent Seabrook. I think everybody entering this season, when you would talk to fans or media about the team, even before the season began, Brent Seabrook's decline was a big concern. It's happening. We've seen it. He's an old defenseman with a lot of miles on him. It's normal for a guy who's been through as much as, as Brent Seabrook has been through to drop down and to have a decline in his game. And it's happened. So entering this season, we all knew this was going to be something the Blackhawks would have to deal with and have to cope with. And my question as we were doing our season previews on the Madhouse podcast and Lockdown Blackhawks was, if Brent Seabrook is bad, will Jeremy Cowden have the guts to bench him? Now, a lot of people are having revisionist history here. And because Tuesday night's game was such a disaster, now they're sort of backtracking and saying like, well, you know, Seabrook should have played. This is Cowton's fault. Seabrook should have been in there. He could have done as badly as these guys did. Maybe that's true. But because the game went poorly on Tuesday doesn't mean that it was the wrong decision to make Tuesday morning. 
again, no one had an issue with Brent Seabrook sitting. Coming into the season, as the season was going on, the first handful of games, Seabrook was struggling. It was clear to everybody watching. And again, I would have scratched Gustafson first because I think he's done literally nothing. That's a topic for another day. But they wrenched Brent Seabrook, and deservedly so. I don't think it's fair to be a windsock based on wins and losses on decisions like this. Would the Hawks have won Tuesday's game if Brent Seabrook played? Hell no. Would it have been a little better? Maybe. Maybe. But I don't know. The only concern I have is whether or not that move and the way it was handled. And look, you got to decide whose word to take. Brent Seabrook or Jeremy Colleton. And I know it's your initiative and it's probably your instinct as a fan to agree with the guy who's been here forever and has won Stanley Cups. But that's not necessarily the right thing to do. He's also the guy who's mad. He's also the guy who's embarrassed. Right? He's also the guy that's highly competitive. So he might not be communicating with a clear mind. So don't just take Brent Seabrook's side because you like him better. I just hope that there's no fallout team-wide from that move. And I think this road trip coming up, it it, it sucks they don't play until Saturday. Because you want to get the taste of the Nashville game out of your mouth as quickly as possible. But if, if the rest of the road trip looks like that, you could go back and reasonably point to the Jeremy Cowan brent Seabrook thing as a defining moment in the season. And even though it was the right move to make, maybe the way Cowan handled it, or maybe the way Seabrook reacted to it, wasn't correct and had long-term effects. We'll see. We're getting way ahead of ourselves, but this behind-the-scenes drama is something the Blackhawks don't need when their talent level isn't up to par either. This is the last thing they want to be dealing with, but here it is right in front of them, and they've got to deal with it. Thank you for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Have a safe, happy, and fun Halloween. Kids, have fun out there. Save me your three musketeers. Save me your Snickers, and I will send you back some toothbrushes and apples. Just send them, you know, Lockdown Blackhawks, P.O. Box. I don't actually have a mailing. I have a mailing address, but I'm not giving it out on the internet. That's dumb. I don't need anyone here to kill me. All right? I don't need Brent Seabrook at my door. By the way, I want to qualify before we wrap up. Brent Seabrook is one of my favorite Blackhawks ever. A top five Blackhawk for me as far as favorites go. I love the guy. I don't think there's a dude on this team that gave more than Brent Seabrook did. There might be guys that gave as much. Brent Seabrook gave everything he had. And I think that's still the case this year. When he's in there, he is working his ass off. His body cannot catch up to his mind anymore. I love Brent Seabrook. I don't want Brent Seabrook and the Blackhawks to have an ugly divorce. I hope it's not headed that way. Anyway, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We will talk to you on Friday.